0: Hello and welcome to episode fifty of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster, and I'm joined by Andrew Bartram, Eric Mathy, and Deborah Parkin. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Simon. Hello, Eric. Simon, how are you? I'm very well, and hello, Deborah.
1: Hi there
0: great to have you with us on this this special episode it's episode 50 which we've done absolutely nothing special went in anything out of the ordinary but it sounds good so it's uh, oh, no no have we you. have deborah oh well, well that's a very good point I've, I've, I've really missed a trick there haven't i yes <laughs> yeah so um, this is episode 50 so we have a very special guest and we have deborah Thank parking you. with us and we'll just uh, we'll just edit out everything i've just said before and this so will be seamless again um right so um, we we have a wonderful guest, and Andrew. Um, I think it's going to head over to the Fens
2: and ask you to uh, to introduce our guest. Certainly, yes. Hello, Deborah. Hello there. So, you, Deborah, you and I have been interacting on Twitter for not that long, really. I don't think, but um, very struck with your work, and you know the, your journey into photography is somewhat interesting so maybe you can tell us a little bit about that i know you were started off with a doing your or you were going to do your phd in women's war writing which in itself is almost a podcast and then you got <laughs> sidetracked you might have been pregnant and fed up or just pregnant and happy i don't know but you got sidetracked and 18 19 years later here you are so um wh- why don't you just tell us a little bit about that interesting journey deborah
1: Okay, um, you're absolutely right. I, I was doing a, well, attempting to do a PhD in women's war writing. I had done a um, MA in Holocaust writing at Sheffield and it was going to be on holo- women's Holocaust writing and then I sort of progressed and moved into women's war writing and I was doing a bit of teaching in that area and um, women's travel writing as well. Uh, I had my son and I was I thought I'd take a bit of time out Um, just carry on with the teaching side. Then I was pregnant with my daughter and she was three months old and I went back to university to do the war writing. And I just, to be honest with you, I didn't really have it in me. I was just too tired um, and just felt myself moving in a different direction. Um, I'll I'll skip back, actually. I was about eight months pregnant and there was an adult education evening class in darkroom and uh just learning how to use a camera and i had been trying to learn how to use a camera this is film camera this um for years but i am absolutely dreadful with numbers so i was sort of struggling um you know with your fs 5.6 Five point sixes, and I was you know what do you mean it's wide open when it's a small number and all that kind of thing and I was just useless at that kind of stuff so um and with film photography I wasn't very good at writing down every shot that I'd taken so I didn't know what I'd been doing and so I went on this um just in a local school this evening class and I was enormously fat with baby and everything and I had to take all my pictures at um one level I couldn't like there's all these people like laying on the floor and things and I just absolutely fell in love with it I just came home buzzing and then I had Fleur and uh, I went back to university in September Fleur was born in June and uh, something had gone it's coming back again I have to say I'm still very interested in that area Uh, But at that moment in time, I just didn't have it in me. My brain was mush and I just didn't have that academic side in me. So um, my husband bought me a a digital camera um, for Christmas when the first SLRs came out. And again, I did a little adult education course and um, started to learn how to use a camera, really. It was just really sort of baby steps just to sort of keep me sane Take pictures of my children. Um and so I and I gave up my PhD, thinking I'd go back to it, but I haven't. <laughs> so and that's that really.
2: So how does wanting to take snaps? Let's just, you know, not being derogatory when I say that, but taking photos of your kids turn into what, you know, for 10 years was a real p- focus, you know, of documenting their lives and not just not just one project. There's a number. If you go to DeborahParking.com, maybe, Perhaps. and your website. Um, there's a folks can see a number of projects around your family, exploring not just showing them, you know, posing, but exploring different ideas and themes. So, how did you go get to that from just wanting to take pictures of of them, and and then on large format to boot?
1: Um, I think if I go back to my teaching. I kept coming across the name Julia Margaret Cameron and uh, through the women's travel writing, a lot of Victorian writing and things. And um, my son was probably about a year old and there was a huge Julia Margaret Cameron exhibition down at the National Portrait Gallery. I used to live in Kent at the time. And um, I went to that, absolutely loved it. I just, I, I am a unapologetic romantic you know I I just was absorbed in this um old world and I just loved the visuals of it so those things I think are always with me you know so I bought the book and even though I hadn't even had a camera at that point I liked the history of photography and um I think I, I genuinely can't tell you pinpoint a time saying, oh, I've decided to do large format photography. Um, I think there's always a different, uh, various things that come in and out of my life. And when I put my mind to something, I'm quite obsessive, I think. And, um, you know, even, you know, say for my masters, if they gave us an extract that we had to read, I'd have to go and get the book and read the whole book. And I think I'm like that with any work that I do. I need to know everything about it and explore it, even if I'm rubbish at it. I like. I'm just always inquisitive, and um, I think uh, I love taking. I love snaps as well. I should say I love family snaps. Um, I think um, there's there's a thing. You know the film shoot in the past. Um, the Polyakov, Um there's this thing where he says about when you look at a photo and you see, you look at it and you think they could be like all laughing and that, and you don't know what tragedy might come before or after that photo. And there's always that story. And I think that's even in a snap, let alone a large format or a wet plate or anything. And so I always love the visual storytelling of um, just these family photographs. And I love, looking back at my old family photographs. And so I think, um, sorry, going back to your point, sorry if I've gone around circles here. Um, I think I loved this course I was on and had a great teacher. And it was full of, I say old people, I I was probably in my 30s then and I'm like 50 now, but they were probably um, 60s, 70s, and they were hilarious, these people. Um, they were all trying to do Photoshop and not knowing what we were doing. It was a bit like me trying to get onto this call today. <laughs> it was just, I was like, um, I just had a really great teacher. And he said to me, uh, you should go to university to do photography. Well, I didn't really want to go in all honesty, but the courses, the adult education all finished. So I went to university for one year and I only intended to go for a year to learn darkroom. And then we did large format, medium format and things, and I just loved it. And um, I wanted to take something that was more than just a stamp that just felt like um, they are everyday photos, but I wanted the children still. And that was the same as wet plate, just to capture that, because everything's so fast moving. I just wanted those moments to physically feel it was still. And, and that's... Yeah, I think that's how I got to it.
2: Yeah, that was the title of one of your little series of work, wasn't it? Is it called Still or Stillness?
1: Yeah, Stillness in Time. That's the wet plate work, yeah.
2: And you're involving the your, your as they were then, you know, youngsters in that whole process.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, most of them, their ideas, I wanted, I didn't want to be the, you know, Julia Margaret Cameron bossing everybody around and, you know, been everybody sort of thought, oh no, the old battleaxe is here with her camera and all that kind of thing. So I um, really, they didn't, if they, any time they didn't want to be photographed, they were never photographed. I mean, it was an absolute joint thing and these children were um, my friend's children as well um, and there's one little girl called Lucy and she had been put off with having a picture taken at school because they had like a feather duster in her face and all that. So you, Every time I'd come around, even without a camera, she'd go, I'm not having my photo taken. And, uh, you know, no, we wouldn't dream of it. So I took my dark tent um, round to my friend's house in her garden. And the kids were putting costumes on and bringing flowers out and all sorts of things, teddies out. And uh, we were doing all these photos. And then right at the end, Lucy said, I want my photo taken. She was about five, I think. So I said, "Oh, great!" And then she she went and uh, got this really dark cat costume on, sat on a tricycle, and the light was going, so all the UV was going. And I'm thinking, this is going to be at least six seconds. Trying to, and I, all the other kids were laying on the floor, so they could didn't have to move, and it was much more relaxing. And she was like, "No, this is my photo." And I remember thinking, "Oh no, this isn't going to work." <laughs> and uh, but it did. It actually did. There's a, it's, I, there is a. I call it "cat on the bike." You know, just the, the photo, and it came out really well exposed. That to me, even now, I look back and think, "Yeah, that was my success." <laughs> I was so relieved.
3: It's. I found it really interesting with the the reemergence, particularly of wet plate, because it's so slow. Um, of how well people will so will hold still. You know, we yeah. had Jenny Sampson on, and there's a lot of people taking wet plate, you know, and, and she's taking photographs of skate skateboarders at skate parks. And I've been there watching her do it, and they're just, you know, 10-second exposures, whatever, and they're literally, like, managing to hold
1: wow. stuck
3: still for so long. And I'm like, that is
0: – how are you doing
3: that? Like, they don't even have the neck brace or anything. It's, like, mm-hmm. re, it's like rediscovered – being photographed by wet plate has rediscovered people's ability to sit bone stock still. Yeah. When I, I would never have given myself maybe like credit for being able to sit that still, um, but it's interesting. You know, when we talk about stillness and snapshots, you know, wet plate photography was the snapshot of its age yeah. back then. You know, that was a, that was considered a snapshot, and it's really interesting to me how now you know a
2: snapshot is like. A, well, it, it was an occasion, and and do something really quick, you know. It was an it was an occasion event, wasn't it? I've mentioned this video before. I think it's it's probably on Amazon, and it's about a small town photographer in the states. I don't know if you've seen it, Deborah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was. It's called Defarmer. Strange, but his name was nice. his surname was De Farmer, Defarmer. D E F A R M E R. And he was he was the small town photographer and folks would come in you know quite poor families from farming communities and on market day on saturdays and for i don't know a nickel a quarter i don't know american people are going to be shouting at me. this is the 1800s (laughs) and they'd have a family photograph taken but this guy everybody was terrified of him you know and 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 the video is brilliant and he'd have them up against this wall and it's just a plain wall sometimes there was like things coming up behind them out of their heads all very unphotogenic really and they were just you could see them they're just petrified <laughs> standing there you know and and the, the woman was being interviewed and she said well i remember going in there and um i must have been done it wasn't the 1800s it was the 20th century but early on because otherwise this woman wouldn't remember which she, she was in her 70s or 80s so you know i don't know what it was 1930s 40s and she said oh, we were just terrified of him you know but it was it was an event it was the snapshot of the day you know
1: yeah the children weren't terrified i can promise you that (laughs) i was going to
2: ask so it's like however many you know 10 some
3: odd years on have any of those kids picked up photography or gotten that spark or or taken anything from that
1: yeah um well my son he's did some wet plate photography uh last year he's doing an a-level photography which is finished um and Two of my friend's children, they've gone down the arts route and they have to do photography. And and both of us, if they could come and learn wet play specifically, which was supposed to have happened last summer. And actually, I hadn't done it for a few years. So I was like really thinking, oh, am I going to be able to remember what to do? Um, But once you start getting the chemistry out... It's like
3: being a a black cat on a bike. You you never forget how to ride it.
1: (laughs) um, So anyway, it was uh, they... Um, one in particular really would like to uh, learn how to do some uh, large format and wet plate photography. Um, I think my son, I think he's had enough actually at the moment because he's done an A-level, he's done two years of photography and he wants to be a graphic designer. So he's, I think he won't do it for a little while, but he might come back to it. But um, yeah, I think, I genuinely think they were, it was going back to that instant photography again. You know, they saw, I, I would, the good thing about a wet plate is that you, when you pour the water on the, and and it sort of pops up, they could see the magic of uh, them coming through on this plate. And the plates are beautiful as well, aren't they? So, yeah. um, you know, they could see that. And I think it was just all quite novel for them, really. Mm. And we had pizza and all that on the go as well. So. <laughs> and there was pizza. <laughs> and cake.
2: w. <laughs> you... you I think one of the things that would strike the viewer of your website and who, who follow you on Twitter is, you know, your your preoccupation with 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 memory, with photography, you know, in, and the idea of of memory and time passing. Um, I I did pinch a couple of quotes that you wrote, so you'll have to. Try and cast your mind back from your wonderful blog, I have to say, and you've been very open and it's a it's a wonderfully written uh, blog and you were you were commenting on and uh, one of your series of images about about memory um, and about memory and you and you're quoting Freud now i don't i think this is the first for the large format photography podcast. I don't think we've had any Freud on um <laughs> Freud said this apparently um the foggy the foggy remembrance of a sensation that can no longer be grasped this is childhood i think it was yeah i think it was um um i think it was about childhood i missed that bit out the foggy remembrance of a sensation that can no longer be grasped but still uh, affects our emotions in ways we cannot explain ourselves and i think you said in your memory you know, you were tr- if there's this gap then how do you capture that in a photograph you know this uh, this idea of childhood from where we are today. You know, when you were making those photographs when you're in your thirties or early forties, you know, how do we capture that those those memories if this gap exists? So and then I've written there discuss. So there you go.
1: Oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember
2: writing that? <laughs> um
1: I remember being obsessed with memory. Gosh, I, I do remember sort of writing that yeah. Memories then.
2: memories of childhood drawn from Yes, uh, to do with yeah. your 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 series on memory. Yeah, I was just refreshing my...
1: Me- yeah, I know where I, th- I... This would have come from... When I did my M- MA in Holocaust, we did a lot of diaries and memoirs, and it was about how you do trust your memory and um, what feels mm. real to me might be different. We might have the same experience, but we might remember it differently. And um, when I was doing my memory series... That started, you know, as as I said, that I went to university for a year or so and we had to um do like a staged photography. So it wasn't any of these pictures, but this is where it sort of came from. It's so like I um decided to go back through my own childhood memories but recreate them with my children. And um this it sounds like I had a, a really dreadful childhood, but I, I I didn't, but it was just um it was interesting, I think. It's probably the best way to describe it. And um, my... I set up some pictures where my t- children might just be playing and then I placed my own interpretation of what I felt that childhood... So they could, for example, um, take the one of the playground. Um, my daughter was playing hopscotch in a museum and happy you know just doing I have totally different experience of school which I really hated and I had lots of trauma with things like this and so I made it dark I imposed my own view I cut off her so you could just see her legs so she you couldn't speak to her you couldn't see her kind of thing you just see her body and then the expanse of The playground and that's my interpretation that's my feelings of what it was like to be at school hers was completely different um so there's like it's a picture of her but it's also a picture of me if that makes sense yeah it
2: it absolutely it absolutely does it's this is about as close as i think it was probably alfred steiglitz it was certainly very fashionable around the 1920s or 30s he coined this idea of equivalence and it, it's a photograph that you can. I mean, it could be of clouds, you know, but it's it's deliberately designed to evoke an emotion. And and I'm I'm staring at these pictures from memories, and and these are. I'm looking at them, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling, an- anxious for the child. You know, there, there's one, those hopscotch ones. You've done you've done three, and they're all kind of. Sort of, you know, I'm feeling lonely and a bit frightened and a bit, you know, a bit. Um, uh, apprehensive and then there's one which boy it's so powerful Uh, your daughter is just hunched up in in a room with a discarded panda by a radiator you know yeah and that that, and that that's that's a really traumatic picture goodness me these these are powerful and i'd commend anyone to go and look at these images The,
1: the thing with something like that is is um Obviously, you don't want to get you sort of don't want to give too much away because you want people to put their own feelings yeah, and thoughts sure. into these things. But um they were those those weren't um large format, they were all taken on um medium format. Um, okay. so I'm just sort of taking um snapshots actually. You know, my daughter was actually the sun was in her eyes so she's holding like she was doing that and she had chucked the panda to one side it was actually a relatively innocent picture but that for me when I saw that image on the negative that for me felt like the feelings I used to have because my mum and dad were divorced and I absolutely hated the fact that my dad wasn't living with us and I would either be very insular Or very hysterical and those sort of feelings I think that's me as a child that was me when my dad used to leave on a Sunday afternoon and uh, but that was the point of the project at the time Um, that was um, uh, what we had to do at university so that was part of the project that that was image.
2: You you talk very openly on your on your blog about your parents and their struggle with alcoholism and, and your dad in your in his last days in Ireland when you went to see him and you didn't recognize him, you know, and and he was a like a completely different person. Um and, and you know, I can relate to that. I, my aunt, when I last saw her, I didn't recognise her. In fact, I thought I'd been taken into a room with the wrong person. I yes, said, This Mrs. isn't Mrs. this isn't my aunt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so how, you, you 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 know you you said you had a um yeah you, know, you didn't have a traumatic childhood but having parents who went through that how how did that how has that affected um you know your your own interactions with your family and how has that come through in the photographs you make of them and you can i can't help going back to memories again because you know it's your own childhood and you say it wasn't an unhappy one but that boy, that must have had some bearing on, on it. And, and does it still impact your image-making today?
1: Yes, um, it does. Um, it wasn't... I think the early years were unhappy. Um, my mum my definitely did her best. Um, my dad was an alcoholic, uh, never acknowledged that he was an alcoholic. I don't think I acknowledged until I saw him die that he was an mm. alcoholic. And um, my... Um I when I gave birth to my son, I actually said these words, it stops here because there was a history. It's not just in my immediate family. It went back. There was always something going backwards in my family that there was, uh whether it's my granddad was an illegitimate uh son to a 15-year-old girl in 1920, you know, there was always something that would um that it was heartbreaking i think and i and i said it stops here and i've always put my children first that's it. it it's they are front and center of my life i'm still me i still have my own identity and all the rest of it but they it, i just knew it had to stop there so i think um we're very close we're really the four of us my husband and my two children we're really good friends Um, my son's about to move away to university and heartbroken (laughs) but really excited for him I mean genuinely mean that as well but um you know I don't think being a mum you it'll ever stop that you'll worry and all those kind of things and I think um there were so many different things that went on in my childhood too too many you know to sort of discuss here um but I think that uh it doesn't stop me worrying and, and it doesn't, it just cannot, it just, I just don't think I can be looking through that camera without that, that's so much a part of who I am that we can't, um, I can't escape it, I don't think. When I'm taking photos of my children, I just don't think I can escape it. But that doesn't mean to say I'm sitting there depressed, even if some of my pictures do look a little bit depressing.
2: Well, that, I mean, the memory series of folks—you've just got to look at those. I don't find them at all depressing. I find them emotional, you know, um, inspiring. You know, I question them, you know. So it's really lovely to hear you just put in some explanation. Uh, were they to, like
1: in
3: the in the online gallery? Were they put in a particular order? Out of curiosity, because I don't don't know if there's a progression in terms of the ordering in the gallery or if they're to be viewed in particular order, because there's the very last image in this series, at least on the websites presented, is your daughter with these beautiful wings looking out Mm -hmm. a window. And it's it's much for me, at least it's much less of a of a of a dark, and I'll air quote the dark images, right? But it's much less of a foreboding image. It's a really beautiful, beautiful, like, she's in this halo of light, like, at the window, and the wings are all lit up. It's a gorgeous image. And it's, if that's, and I was wondering if, if that's in a particular series, and that's a lighter ending to them, or if it's just random. I was really curious about that. Honestly,
1: it's both. It's both, because I have put them in an order that I felt was right. Okay. But I don't think I've overanalyzed I've done it, maybe this is where floyd will slip in. I don't know, <laughs> but it's like i I genuinely think i'm i i think I'm over what went on, what anything' to do with the past and that I mean my dad died four years ago now, um and i rem, i have a very sort of cut and dry i enough, and that's enough and I'm actually. I think sort of having children and photographing sort of helped me put all that to bed. Really, um, I don't feel worried by it. I, I actually think it wasn't really a bad thing, you know, to to explore it. I'm I'm pleased I did it actually.
3: Did, did that background though color you know because if if I look at your academic background, you know, in essentially writing an exploration of traumatic events. In this holocaust and uh, women's war writing, maybe not necessarily yours per se, at least as far as the, the degrees go, but still in an academically examining, parsing through and writing about traumatic events. And so then coming into photography and sort of exploring photographically and with your children that same thing. Does that does that all sort of like feed into your path to where you are? And then I guess my follow-up question to that is, you know, um, as I look at a few other photographers and also writers, um, Gauss Dooley, right, over there in England um, has been doing, he started his own nonprofit around documenting the effects of war on people. Um, and then Sarah Sintils and her incredible book, I can't recommend it enough, called Draw Your Weapons, which is, if you haven't read it, is just, no, I it's mind blowing exploration on uh, the trauma of war and how people experience it and work through it with art and doing things with their hands afterwards and how we view war and trauma through the art and the things that they make. It's, it's brilliant. So I don't know, going forward, do you, are you planning on like, still working in that? Will you, will you not, your kids going out to university, you know, will you re-engage maybe because we have a really interesting world now with uh, refugees and war and a lot of, a lot of places where one could take a camera and that sort of background and exploration of writing and, and do some interesting things, literally in our own backyards, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going next. Um, I'm thinking about it a lot. And um, I definitely think, um, people one think I'm a bit strange that I, I chose to do an MA in Holocaust studies. And I think, for me, when I did that, it gave me this huge sense of perspective of my own life, and that um, it sort of helped, helped me deal with anything that, you know, we we had you know, we had a friend that was murdered, and we 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 had we had a man that was living with us that murdered his girlfriend. You know, we, it was all these really strange things happening in our lives that I do actually really remember, or I think I do at least. And um, I think that um, this, doing something so massive, like the Holocaust, actually gave me a sense of perspective and um, it didn't depress me. It um, I, I found it fascinating and it made me want to sort of, um, I don't know, be a better person. That sounds really cliche, doesn't it? Um, I, I don't know why I did it. <laughs> I, I can't really explain why I did it, um, and I think photography, um, I don't know about what I photograph, I don't know, I am slightly more uncomfortable with photography and war, holocaust, and then I am writing, I can't understand, I'm not sure why, and it's necessary, I'm not against it, please don't do right. that, but I mean, for me on a personal level, maybe it's too too immediate. I don't know. Um, maybe too voyeuristic. It, I, it, yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't want to, I've got to be careful. Right. I don't want to open a debate about this because I don't actually know. Um, but so for me, I think I would really, I'd be very interested in studying uh, war photographers, particularly women war photographers. I'd really like to go down that road. Um, but um, I live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so it's very hard to get into the right. academic where I am at the moment. So, but that would definitely be something, not me actually photographing. I don't think I could go and physically photograph um, these, this area, but I think I could study and write about it. Right. So
3: well, it's, it's interesting. One of our guests, Wayne, uh, Martin Belger, you know, he, he photographed portraits, you know, in Lesbos and and all sorts of talk refugees. And he said, what well, one of the Syrian refugees told said to him was, "I just and I'm paraphrasing, but I just trust two things. I just trust cameras, and I mm-hmm. just trust people with cameras, and people with guns, because they both come, they both take away, and they both leave nothing good behind. They both give nothing back, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he would attempt to just engage as much as he could and give back as much as he could to overcome that yeah. um you know but but you're right like a lot of photography is I feel fairly voyeuristic and it doesn't necessarily give much back
1: yeah uh, to I'm the thinking,
3: people that it, it takes images of right
1: yeah and I would have to I know that I couldn't just take take a photo just take right. I feel that I would have to be part of them somehow i don't know it's it's the way i am i just i can't as much as i love snapshots as i said i actually feel that i couldn't just go and take something from them and walk away from it i know i couldn't it's just not in me to do that
2: We we've chatted about terminology before and on the show deborah and i was reading some some i forget who it was and forgive me if you if you listen to this show you probably don't but somebody put a tweet out and it was a it was a It was an American lady, I'm sure it was, and she said, um, isn't it about time we changed some of the terminology we use, you know, in this day and age when, you know, kids are being shot dead by trigger, trigger hungry, trigger light, trigger happy, happy." yeah, you know, but we use phrases like um, shooting and locked and loaded and even taking, you know, and and we use it all the time. I mean, I'm... you know it's it, it is a bit of a pet thing of mine but i i mean i use the phrase taking a picture you know yeah, well, it's very very one way and if you if if you, with your part- sorry with your no, particular with your particular fully immersed you know style where you're working with your and they're your kids or other other families and and you're fully engaged and now you've got your teenage sons and daughter and your sh- and you're um, been teaching them how to make wet plate you know they're fully immersed in it um that's not taking is it that's that's giving
1: i hope so yeah, yeah i i do hope so
2: yeah and
3: i would say i mean two points one is like photojournalists for the longest time and i didn't really catch this use of the phrase until like here in america like lots of shootings lots of school shootings like you know there's oh he's a shooter for associated press <laughs> he's a shooter for time you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna go shoot right it's just it's and it's yeah. only until like, recently especially since it's becoming a father where i'm just like oh, yeah, well, um, you know, he's a shooter. I'm like, oh, God, that sounds God-awful. Like, yeah. you know, like there's terms that we've used in society at large. Um, slave, master-slave, even in technology. It's really common. Where it's like, that's suddenly, as we become enlightened. I can put air quotes. I'm sure there's some of our, our readers who are just like, uh, uh, sorry, listeners, who are just like, oh, God, you, know, you, you PC snowflakes. But still, like, you have to think about these things. <laughs> um, right, I, you have to, it's, it's eh, sorry folks, it's called empathy. Um, but that empathy makes for great photographs. So so back to Simon's, so Andrew's point, Simon hasn't said a word, it's very weird, but back to Andrew's point and also your point about, you know, taking images that are, when would you actually are immersed in not the scene, but in the lives of the people, right, you photograph. I think wet plate and large format really not to like blow our own whistle, but really helps with that because it is like this big camera and people have to interact with it. You know, I like to have people look through the back of the ground glass and I stand where they stand so they can sort of see what this is going to possibly look like. Um, And it forces you to slow down a bit. Right.
1: Um, It it does. And I I also, I used to be a really self-conscious photographer. So, um, so say if I had an SLR, for example, um, if, and you were in a public space, I could not bring myself to take a photo. Same. And, and I, when I got the large format, you'd think that would be the, the worst thing you could do. But we'd go down to, say, like the rock pool on the beach, and we'd sort of climb over, and we'd be on, on the beach... And once my head was under that blanket, I didn't think of a thing. I was just invisible. That's how it felt. So um, I didn't really have a problem with doing large format photography with the public watching me and thinking, what the hell is she doing? You know? um, but I think it's because I was hidden.
3: It's like behind, being behind a giant wall, like, you can't see me. <laughs>
2: it's very interesting, isn't it? Because people talk of portrait photographers talk about using twin lens reflexes because you they enjoy that eye contact you know you where you're you can look up and look down whereas when you've got an slr you you're putting this barrier up but actually a large format is even potentially even even bigger barrier i suppose you've got that time when you're setting it up and people are wandering past you know where it's not such a barrier but so if you want to do street photography use large format photography you become much less the
3: the object to be looked at than the camera when you when you
2: roll yeah, a large format that's, yeah that's true yeah so you the, the, the it's less about you isn't it, and the attention whereas you know you're snapping away with, with a, a smaller camera and then it's more about you yeah. where it's perhaps more about the process
1: but at the I same time
2: the large format enforces a lot of interaction you have to interact with people with the large yes format. Yeah. you do. what, are you, do, what are you doing you get <laughs> like... look you could be using a like my cameras probably. 20 years old or something you know you could be using a modern camera like Simon has his Chroma camera you know which was made last year and you, Simon will set it up and they'll say a guy will walk past this kid and say look that guy's using a, an old camera you know a Victorian camera or something <laughs> and, and I normally I hear them and I says no it's modern come and have a look you know come and engage and talk and it is actually a really good way to um, to, to engage with people yeah. Deborah, do you think um, do you think you've channeled your um, parents genes into photography? They they might have been ad- addicted to something quite destructive, but maybe your addiction is towards this uh, this passion of creativity and photography.
1: You mean if I pass this on to my children? That?
2: Well, I don't know. They talked about you know people people can have like um, addictive personalities, don't they? I mean, I, I, I it rang a bell with me because I, I I'm. I'm on that slope as well. You know, I, I I became immersed in photography when I was 15 and it's been all consuming pretty much ever since. And it could have been something much more harmful.
1: Yeah, I think, um, it, it's been books and, um, then the photography. And like I said, when I go for something, I really go for something, Mm. but I'm, which is good because I'm an incredibly restless person and, um, I'm always searching for something and I'm always thinking about where it would be good to move to and that, which luckily I've got a husband that's really stable. (laughs) So he, he keeps me grounded. Um, but yeah, I think that I am quite flighty and, you know, so I think, um, yeah, it, 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 I don't think I would, I would have been an alcoholic (laughs) like my, like my dad. Um, you never know do you no I think no I think I mean I came out of school with absolutely no qualifications I I, zero I didn't I didn't get one O level and uh, I was such a rebel and I sort of did all my education as an adult like at night school and things and um, so um, and now I mean I'm like I said I just I turned 50 last year and I'm obsessed with education i'm obsessed with learning and you know whereas at school you couldn't get me to sit and sit at a desk you know so um it i suppose it could have gone the other do you know i've never thought that it would have could have done i just always assumed that um i'd be all right (laughs) yeah
2: well you come you come on the large format photography podcast and you expected these incisive questions so so deborah your, your children have been your constant focus for years and in your blog, you say you stepped back from photography for a while because you found it overwhelming, um, and then you worked on a farm, and I think you got involved in horses. And two years later, you you did your horses, and then I think you had you know when your father passed, and then you did jackdaw. So, would you like to just talk a little bit um, about that period of time and 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 your step away from it, and and how it helped you or or, or not?
1: Yes, um, I. It- just found social media a bit overwhelming. And I started questioning why I was photographing and, you know, this kind of, I didn't want it all to be about likes and, um, you know, networking and things. So um, I started, uh, my daughter started horse riding up a local farm and I went up there and I used to have horses as a child and I was really happy when I was with animals and with my horses. And um, so I went up to the farm and started helping out because they'd been left in the lurch and so it was really thrown in the deep end and I absolutely loved it I mean it was wild it was um it wasn't a proper like equestrian I mean it's a great riding school but it was um I think it's the horses lived in the wildness as near as you could get to a wild horse um they live out on the fowls um you know there's sort of masses of fields. It's wild and windy over there. And uh oh, it was just like I could breathe again rather than just looking at the screen to see how many likes you might have or something. And it was I, I just fell in love with the horses, the freedom, getting away from the computer, getting away from social media. And um I, I worked with the horses for a couple of years. And I just bought myself a little digital camera and um, when I started photographing the horses, but I, I wanted to get their trust in the same way that I did with the children. And I, you know, went, took really close up photos of them, largely. Um, and, you know, I'd be laying on the floor and laying, you know, and really hoping nothing would spook them and, you know, but they'd got to know me. So it was really, um, really nice. And it was a, a project that took me years to do before I even got the camera there and sort of reignited my love uh for photography again i think
2: uh, so that was digital but you you didn't consider wet plate then for the horses
1: i don't think they would have appreciated the <laughs> camera i don't think they would have stood still for me would they
2: <laughs> so. so so did that lead on to uh, directly onto the jackdaw your beautiful cyanotype work with the jackdaws i think it was probably influenced so what, what's the deal with jackdaws and how did that body of work come well, about
1: we moved out onto the pennines Um, so we were living like in a small town but we've moved out quite remotely onto the North Pennines Um, so it's all full of moors and you know savage nature (laughs) and uh, we um, my dad had just died and um, I I I did grieve in a way uh, because it was a shocking death and but I held it all together and I just used to watch we've got a barn and it's full of jackdaws and I used to just watch the jackdaws and my they just reminded me of my mad Irish family and um I just constantly watched them I I I just got really fascinated by them and I think that was part of my own grieving process it was I can't really explain it and um again I'd stop photographing and uh my son said he brought me this sinotype because I mentioned before. I said, Come on, mum, you need to sort yourself out and get back into it again. And uh, children make you feel brilliantly guilty, can't they? So I looked at the oh, yes. sinotype <laughs> and uh, I'd never done, I don't think I'd done sinotypes, not really done sinotypes before. And the only thing that's here to photograph the children were always at school or at their clubs and or friends or whatever. And the only thing to photograph here was the jackdaws. And uh, so, because I always have to photograph what I know, I just started photographing them. And I thought, oh, I'll try them as a cyanotype, because I've got this book now. <laughs> and uh, so I started doing cyanotypes, and it was brilliant. I, I just loved um, making work again. Just And it was quite simple, really simple work. But it was there on my doorstep in my life. So when I was completely on my own, and I mean you are on your own here, um, it was just the da- jackdaws keeping me company. But they're totally, they're not like the city jackdaws. They, if they, you see—they sh- see your shadow, they're off. They are very feral compared to, you know, if you walk to sort of the shops in Hexham, near where I live, they'll be walking at the side of you, but they're not like that here.
3: Did you ever – because the that entire family of birds is highly intelligent. You know, they recognize faces. They can do puzzles. Like They actually use them for psychology experiments a lot, like, okay, how long will it take the crow to figure out these series of puzzles? So were there any particular jackdaws that seemed to start to, like, have a – like, the horses have a relationship with you or see you and become less scared, or, or are they always just like, oh, no, we're out
1: of here? No, they have never warmed to me. <laughs> they are – I they really – um I think we have we are near Grouse Moor and I think they've probably been shot at by farmers and gamekeepers. They do not trust humans at all. So um, they look. If I'm in the barn, they no. They generally fly away. They don't trust humans at all. It's and actually, I think I needed that detachment at that time. I genuinely think I needed. Um, Everything else has been so personal and so much emotional investment. I don't think I had that in me um, at the time because I was grieving for my dad. And I think that that was just something to do. And I think that there was a slight detachment. Although again, it became a bit of an obsession of mine trying to <clears throat> photograph them all the time.
3: Is that a reflection then of, to a certain extent, like the relationship with your father where you're trying to capture something that you may not be able to really get that you'd actually manage to get in other work. Like you get sensibly and you've been able to like get involvement, but with the jackdaws, the jackdaws like, oh no, 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 no. You know, and coming directly after your father's passing, is that sort of maybe some sort of reflection of something unknowable about your father or is he working through something like that?
1: I think um, when your, your father's an alcoholic, you always wonder, gosh, mm-hmm. did they love that addiction more than you? And yeah. I think, and can't keep helping saying yes obviously he did I know it's not that straightforward but he chose to drink instead of choosing us I mean his daughters and um when we saw him he'd been here to stay with me and went back to Ireland and he's the family phone said he was in hospital for dermatitis and I thought oh no this I knew he had cirrhosis of the liver and I knew he was drinking again and I, we went over to Mullingar um, where he was in hospital and he was unrecognisable. He was just, um, he'd lost about eight stone, he'd lost his teeth, his hair was white. It, it was just it within about six months, unrecognisable. And we thought we were going in to see somebody ill, but he actually died in front of us that day, screaming, actually. And... Um, it was just horrific and I think I just the thing with the jackdaws for me was I I think I was angry as well as grief I I think it was and I think for the jackdaws just staring at them and feeling nothing was quite nice and uh, I you know I'm I'm possibly reading too much into it but they were a huge part of that process and um, the actual making of the cyanotype was the nice bit I think the kind of escaping and not thinking and just thinking about the um uh photography the the process and that. so I'm making pretty pictures
2: <laughs> right <laughs> with the beautiful yeah. old process right well and that's and that's fine isn't it you know you've 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 got a series of work on your website called flowers I think and and I don't think there's a great hidden meaning behind them other than they're just Lovely pictures of, I think, mainly your kids with 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 flowers.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's okay, ex- isn't it? That was my point because we you see a lot, don't you, of like always the meanings behind photos. And Wet Plate was having this huge discussion about if you're going to use the process, it had to have a reason for doing mm. so. Yeah. So I saw it. I'm doing flowers. <laughs> so I'm quite contrary.
2: <laughs> I um I, I was I've been listening to. Have my darkroom's out of order and my photographic uh, mojo is lulled mainly because I can't print anything and I've been a bit fed up with it all. I've been watching a few YouTube videos and I was, and this is completely different genre to yours, but Stephen Shaw, the topographic, you know, the, um, did stuff on uncommon places and American services. He's got some fantastic lectures online and, and they're really instructive. And, and he said something He he got onto the subject of whether words should accompany images, you know. And of course, everyone's got different views on this. But he said, "A photograph, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, a photograph uh, can't explain anything. It can maybe point at some ideas, but it can't explain anything. Mm. You know, um, it it can uh, it can get you to question. It can get you to um, respond emotionally. Um, But you know, you 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 could be in a war zone." And you see some graffiti on the wall, and and you could take a, a picture of it. Uh, and it, unless you know the context and the history, and you're immersed in it, it doesn't really explain anything. And um, so, some words maybe to go with things are, you know, if you if you if you if you really want to put a message across. But uh, you know, you don't have to. Images don't have to be about anything. They can be lovely, which your flower portraits are.
1: Thank you. I don't
2: really know where I was going with that quote from Stephen Shaw, but I thought it was quite <laughs> interesting.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we
0: live in, I
3: think, I think the four of us can agree. Like right now we live in a very image rich age, mm. right? Like we have, I mean, they use British terminology. We use phones to take snaps. I love the term snap, by the way. It's Brilliant. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, integrate my vernacular with my wonderful co-host. You know, but we see just so much imagery all the time. And the vast majority of it is just pretty little photos. Like, anybody can take a really pretty sunset, you know. Um, and I think, I'm going to air quote this for the audience, serious photographers feel this pressure to not take just pretty pictures because everybody takes pretty pictures. But it's, it's a good way to practice. It's a good way to just have, like, release. It's a good way to just see something and take an image and not Absolutely. worry about
2: there's, it. There's, there's there's very little n- new, you know, un- under the world of photography. So, I mean, Stephen Shorten, to go back to him, he's actually now focused on Instagram. He does most of his work. He's he's obsessed by Instagram, you know, and the immediacy of it. Oh, uh, I know. Oh, uh, the, the other quote he said, Deborah, was um, in the same – in to linking words with images as well, which I found – I just find it a fascinating topic. He said, in the same way that we use grammar – to, um it, you know to to put words together and build a, a picture so we use form and structure in a photograph to convey help help to convey meaning so um how about that does that ring a bell with you
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so you know it's funny it sounds like I think a lot about what my work is about yeah. um, and I I actually don't oh, I, me neither, I don't know <laughs> I think, I think it, a lot of it comes sort of after. Um, yeah. I'm quite an um, a, a feeling, yeah. You because know, that sounds yeah. so intuitive. Intuitive, yeah. And um, what's around me? I don't yeah. go sort of looking, and I do. But I do. When it came to the flower portraits, it generally was me being a little bit awkward, thinking I just want to make some pretty pictures because yeah. because. Um, I'm told we shouldn't be so it um that was just me being a bit contrary and having some fun actually just uh me and the kids having fun with it and um also um I started off doing flowers when I first learned wet plate because they don't move (laughs) so (laughs) my children they do
2: they move around in the wind
1: yeah well not when you're in a, a room like laying down but okay. yeah, it's like I, it was a practical thing so it's um there was no sort of depth no deep meaning um to these photos other than just having some fun and and enjoying myself
2: yeah so even taking flowers you can be um, people can be looking at them and and reading everything into them
1: you know, oh, yeah. john
2: uh, John Blakemore I don't know if you're familiar with John's work. He's, John's
1: work yeah
2: yeah, I did a workshop with John a couple of years ago in, in Nottingham, and he was showing some of his tulip prints and he became obsessed with tulip and and the love the obsession with tulips is a real thing, or it was it was a massive mm-hmm. thing in the i'm going to say eighteen hundreds you know tulip mania or something like that, and so he um he he was sitting at his his uh, kitchen table one day and he saw the light just catching these tulips as so they were starting to wilt you know. And he he thought, that's just a lovely image. Now, afterwards, he started thinking, well, actually, is that a commentary on impermanence on things that are ephemeral, you know, decay. And then from that, that sort of triggered something in his mind. And he did then go on to produce all these, you know, you perhaps have seen them, these beautiful works of flowers, tulips. And then he went on to do like Victorian stage dioramas with all these flower scenes. And, and he got, he became obsessed with, with, with tulips as as he is a little bit now. So, yeah, but the, the idea came afterwards, I think.
1: Yeah, I can see why. I mean, you look at things, don't you, all the time. You see, that I'm, you know, at the moment there's gorgeous light across the chest of drawers and things, and if there was a flower there, I'd want to take a photo of it. But I'm only looking at the light, mm. actually, or the flowers in that light at mm. that moment. And I think that's okay. That's I think brilliant. I don't have a problem. I think people should photograph what they want um, if it makes them happy. And, obviously, nobody's being harmed. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I just I think I I don't have if you want to take sunsets and that's your thing that's your thing that's absolutely fine um I I just think there's there's too there's so much going out in the world that that's nasty and horrible that you should be more concerned about than what people want to point their camera at Mm. within reason again um but I I genuinely if I felt like going out and taking a picture of a sunset. I would. I don't, actually. I don't do that. But that's probably because I've got children and I've probably had to go and pick them up or something. You know, it doesn't fit into my life. It's not really because I am making a judgment call on it. So so
2: you... you um as you were heavily involved in those sort of 10 years of photographing your, your kids and I, I imagine it became in the in those long summer holidays that's where it really you know took took off and yes. then you ke- then you got that dreaded September and you you know you did a body of work on something about how you hate Septembers I forget what it's called <laughs> September, is the cruelest month. <laughs> September is the cruelest month which is you know you know you think well that's just a beautiful title and I know and I know what you mean because you you know we our kids are grown up now and but when when they were here you're so we weren't photographing them with a wet plate camera but you're immersed with them you know whether it's Mm. whatever it is you know and then suddenly they're gone aren't they you know for the Mm. day and you've got all those days so you you had those days suddenly to fill and then that then it's worse they go off to university but now they're coming back and are are you going to pick up that project again with them
1: yes um definitely um i I've still got some instant film, so um I've actually got quite a lot that I, I really should get used as much as anything else. What have you got?
2: Sorry, I'm a big instant fan, but I've never shot it in four by five.
1: So, oh, have i should have written this down. I'm not good at numbers.
2: Have you got the Fuji stuff or, yeah, the, Fuji. or the old? Have you got the old Polaroid positive neck type fifty five? No, it's,
1: stuff? It's Fuji FP, FP one hundred.
2: oh in four by five.
1: Yeah. Oh you yeah, could, it's four
2: by five. Yeah. You could you could sell it and. Go and live in the Bahamas.
1: I know yeah, you can buy a gold-plated
2: car for that.
1: I know I haven't got oh. the heart. I, I need it. I I really want to finish. Well, you,
2: you need to use it. Don't hoard it because once yeah. you know those pods will eventually dry up.
1: Yeah, they're all in my um, salad bit of my uh, fridge. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's what. What else is? What else is a salad drawer for? <laughs> definitely not sure. for salad.
1: <laughs> no, I will. I'm. i have definitely um, this summer. I mean, I have actually. If you look, there's a series called Home on my website and that's been taken over my children as teenagers right. um, a lot of the films um, deteriorated um, so it's not as I don't think it looks as good as the older stuff that uh, I did and obviously the children possibly slightly more self conscious than when they were really little um, but we I called it Home um, because we've moved out here, in, in like I say, in, onto this moor, and I'm totally rootless. I just never really found home, but I, it's their home, and so um, I just wanted to photograph them in this home uh, before they go off to university. Um, and so that's what I'm definitely will be doing this summer. And it's, even if it was me not wanting to, they actually want the series to continue wonderful because I have actually done it over a few years so and I actually do have a lot of other um like the instant film that's not on the website that's just in photo albums and that at home so I have actually photographed there might be one or two each year that I've got a photograph and so that you can see them getting older and older you
2: know you, 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 you don't I think you know this now you don't have to be sharing everything on social media you don't have to be chasing those likes do you
1: no absolutely not well I'm not on Facebook anymore
2: <laughs> no, don't blame you well I tell you there's a wonderful Facebook group called the large format photography Facebook group which is a a really lovely place to be but you do have to rejoin Facebook but you can you can ignore everything else about Facebook and just be involved in one or two groups but I don't want to you know twist your arm into that uh into no, going down that route
1: I think I've still got my um Facebook photography page actually on there, but I can't access it because I closed down my account. So I think I can get it through my husband's account, but I've yeah, just never I wouldn't it. worry too
2: much about it. Um, you've um the the things up a little bit. Um you've shared some wonderful uh, wonderful images of books and things recently, and, and I'm a sucker for soon as someone shares something that they said is interesting, go and buying it now. My my purchasing habits have dried up a bit in the last year because I'm pretty much not earning any money now. But um, some good books that you'd recommend, particularly on women photographers, because that's been a massive issue, you know, of late, isn't it? You know, and and bringing women artists into the fore. And I know you shared some recently, but I can't remember what they were. So um, oh
1: my goodness. Um,
2: sorry to catch you on the on, yeah.
1: I should have written these down shouldn't I oh. Um,
2: oh. Well that's okay if you send me a link later we 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 could have just talked about them but if you can't yeah. remember that's fine I can share them in the in the show notes Yeah
1: there... I, yeah come back to me on that because okay. I'm you if, you, if I'm sort of, sort of on the spot kind of thing um but yeah I I oh yeah come back to me on that one <laughs> okay <laughs>
3: Although that does lead to the question that is is oft talked about in, in our Facebook group and in some other areas, in terms of getting, how would you recommend, like, as a community, we get more women into photography, but also mm-hmm. specifically more women to large format photography? Because this seems to be a, I'm going to again air quote this for our listeners, you know, a decent representation in the photographic industry, as photographers, photo finishers, or whatnot, at least in the digital commercial realm, but much less so in large format specifically Mm. and so like how would you recommend that we as a community start to reach out and get more women photographers involved in the format
1: well i don't oh that's really hard you know you You know you can't just make them all easy no i'll tell you why it's hard it's because it's like you you always feel sort of you don't want to speak for all women do you just because i'm a woman doesn't mean to say i can speak for women but um I'll have to say it from a personal point of view um and not speaking for other women I sometimes do get a little bit put off with um technical um I just sort of close off I'm not saying all women will do that I like talking about history of photography I like talking about um women's role in photography uh I you know processes yes and that but I'm not really into kind of what size lens and things I'm not saying it's not relevant and important and I'm not I'm genuinely not saying that you shouldn't be talking about these things if that's what interests you but if if you were trying to get me involved into the group I would say I'd be really interested in looking at the sort of visual side of photography and what large format can do and produce as opposed to um the technical side does that make sense
2: it it absolutely doesn't I know we're you you were treading carefully because you don't want to go down that route of saying well it's technical therefore it's for the boys you know because it's absolutely it's absolutely it's absolutely not um when I last looked at the figures for the large format photography Facebook group we were something like 95 percent male. now I, I I'm I manage I manage another Facebook group called The Lensless Podcast which is all about pinhole photography. And there it's nearly 40% women and I and I and I don't know what the answer is really. And a and a lot of the women are making cameras, you know, and making their own pinholes. But there's very there's very little there is very little gear talk even from the from the men and the women. It's it's much more end result um yeah. focused, you know.
1: Yeah, and and as I said I definitely wasn't trying to say that was for the men and that was for the no, I know I know I think everybody has different I'm, I can only speak for myself yeah. and I like the sort of more the end result I, I went into um, I bought a large format camera because I like the pictures I like that I could bend and you know I can blur yeah. and you know and all those kind of things and but that doesn't mean to say that another woman's gonna um, find that interesting you know I, I just don't think it's gendered. I don't. I genuinely don't know why um, there seems to be more men than women. Um, I, I, I have no answer for that. I'm afraid because I I don't think it is a. Surely it's not a gender thing.
2: No, well, I I wouldn't like to think so. It's just it's the way it, it's the way it appears to be in our little world. But then it it begs the question: Well, what are we talking about with another pet topic of mine with the photographic community? You know, just because we've got this little bubble. In, in our little Facebook group with 1,400 people. and that, But that's not represented. You're not on Facebook, you know. So, you know, we engage through Twitter. Uh, but there'll be lots of people out there, lots of women out there. I'm convinced of it, doing all sorts of things with large format, with, you know, with with all sorts of alternative processes. And we, we don't, unless they engage, choose to engage on social media and, you know, sup with the devil. And they say, well, when you sup with the devil, use a long spoon. Um, you know, we wouldn't hear them, would we? Or In this <laughs> case, a long lens. Well, yeah, when you suffer the devil, use a long lens. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yeah. yeah, and I'm just more wondering how, in terms of because this is this has been a topic of ours internally and externally. Like, how do we bring in more people to the table? Because we are you know, large format photography isn't the devil. I mean, the devil is in the details of large format photography, as as we all know. Per se, I'm getting run with with that analogy forever. But like, how do we get more people to the table? As I think, you know, I like bring in Nicole Small and other folks, and we've had a lot of great conversations. And I think our definition of large format photography is broadened so much by bringing more people in. Yeah. Out of the bubble.
1: But, you know I've never really thought about whether it's men or women doing large format photography. I've never really thought that more men do it. It's it's just people. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just...
2: And, and you may well be right. As I I'm I'm very much looking at it from the perspective of our our little large photography podcast group facebook group you know
1: i think it's great that you are you know because um you know it's it's um it's a such a great way to photograph and i think more people did it i suppose it's quite expensive way to photograph isn't it that's you know can be it can be
3: i think i got into it cheaply per se you know x-ray film RC paper negatives, like
1: you can, yeah. you can do yeah. it really cheaply. Yeah, not instant then. <laughs>
3: yeah, no,
2: no, no, you've chosen quite the road a hoe, I must say.
1: That's my, that's the laziness in me.
2: <laughs> you um you mentioned Julia Margaret Cameron as being a major influence on you know on the style and image and direction you took. Um any others, you know, women of history? You said it's a an interest and passion of yours
1: yeah um oh gosh
2: put you on the spot again haven't I
1: you have do you know I actually wrote this down earlier but I can't find it um I had a I thought I was being super organized yes I think yes I do I like these are I would say they've been I wouldn't say necessarily been influences um because I I like Francesca Woodman for example oh yeah but I don't do self portraits. So in that sense, you know, I wouldn't say she's an influence, but she's mm-hmm. definitely an inspiration. Um, I like Emmett Gowan. I like his uh, family photography. Going back to women, sorry. Lady Haywarden was another one that came up with the with Julia, Margaret Cameron. Victoria. Lady,
2: sorry, I'm, I'm making notes. Lady who?
1: clementina i think her first name is haywarden uh, i'm probably okay. pronouncing this wrong i can no, spell no, that's it fine.
2: yeah no yeah. I'll, I'll find it on google later yeah.
1: <laughs> and then you've got um sort of uh people like have you heard of Inga krauss um he did these sort of russian portrait uh, of like children in like um borstal and things and, hmm. or and
2: probably have seen the image sometimes you see the images don't you and you and things but you don't yeah. know who it is okay
1: really, strike, really striking really striking black and white portraits okay um quite emotionally engaging i think so but nothing like i do no but something i would love to be able to do i just think his his work is really engaging
2: but why they're inspirational i don't know all of them but i certainly know if, Francesca Woodman's work pretty well and I've seen her exhibition in Liverpool a few years ago when she was paired when she was paired with that painter she Agon yeah, uh, gone shield yeah, something like right. that you know who I mean yeah I,
1: do. I well, went both,
2: to it you went to it as well did you yeah, yeah. I went to it down at the Tate yeah, yeah. wasn't it
1: good it was amazing yeah and and, I and I it, was
2: one, it was one of the best put together you know the way it was structured yeah, yeah.
1: exhibitions was, I've seen absolutely brilliant so I took um well, we went as a family for the day. Mm. Um, and the, the, the kids were sort of, you know, they knew her work anyway because I've got the books. <laughs> so yeah, um, but they, they really liked her. And then we, we went up to Edinburgh to see her work as well. And it was mm. with um, Dean Arbus and um, oh, yeah. Mapplethorpe. Yeah. And it was quite funny. My son, you know, going to see Mapplethorpe with a teenage an, boy.
2: Well, he's an interesting... Oh, he was uh, he he slightly so uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh, Mum. Why have you taken me to see this? Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the name of the thing is <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> he moves along quite quickly. I also like just. I like um. Again, I never know how to pronounce Claude Cahoon. She did lots of self-portraits.
2: Oh, say that again slowly.
1: <laughs> she it's her sort of as like a pseudonym, Claude, and then oh. Cahoon. I think it's C A H U N. Okay. Right. And Marcel Moore, like it was, her, and they they've got a really interesting backstory. They're they're quite surreal, and and again, nothing like I do. But these are the sort of women, and there was there's Margaret Delang who um, did her children as well. Called she had a lovely book out called Daughters. So yeah, there's a, a variety. I got a mass, and of course, I do like Sally Mann. I mean, I have to say that I do like Sally Mann, but um, I wouldn't. Despite what everybody says, so Sally Mann, she isn't actually my go-to. I think she's great, wonderful, amazing. Um, But there are so many others out there. Eric's trying to get her on the show. I
2: haven't even even started. I don't even really know where to start with Sally Mann. I do not have... He's going he's, he's on pro, he's on probation because uh-huh, he's you know when, when you listen to the uh, Alice Tomlinson show of course Eric wasn't there you know he's on, he's a he's a new boy so he's on probation till he manages to land Ooh. Sally Mann, you see right. oh, Wait 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 I thought it was David Burnett well and and, no, and him yeah oh, no no one of the oh, damn it Both. <laughs> <laughs> I think what they've all got in common I would imagine is their passion and their uh, and their love of uh, of well, maybe not the medium, but the message that the medium brings you know what what did you think what did you think of Diane Albus's life and work because I've read her biography, and she, certainly she's a was a fascinating person, but there's troubled soul, a bit like Francesca Woodman, I suppose, who must have been tr- equally troubled you know because they both died far yeah. too young, didn't they
1: yeah, um I love her work, it's provocative um and it's um thought provoking. Uh, I don't know it enough to make a um, proper judgment, I don't think. I'm sure there's lots of question marks of both, you know, ethics and things like that. I don't really know where I stand on things like no, that.
2: No, me neither. No, it's easy to make judgments, though, isn't it? You could yeah, say, oh, he's... well, it's, it's exploitative, you could say.
1: You yeah, could say. I'm, I'm not I'm saying friendly it, about shouting out an opinion. Mm unless I really know, I, I would have to go away and really read and then I'd come back with an opinion. Just looking at the images, it's great visually for me to go, oh, that striking, that, 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 yeah, breaking or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I haven't sort of dug go, deep. Into go
2: anything. away and dig deep about it before you shout about it on Twitter. That's probably what, yeah, no,
1: that, that's <laughs> yeah. usually what I try to do, and mm-hmm. I'd still want to shout about it on Twitter. <laughs>
2: do you are you familiar with Nan Golding's work?
1: Well, I am, yeah, yeah
2: that's in that same sort of genre isn't it you know that can be equally disturbing and in your face but very powerful yeah. at the same time
1: she was part of that though wasn't she that mm. she lived that and i think sort yeah. of uh, she, she it, photographed
2: it, her life didn't she as she was living it yeah. you know that it, it feels what,
1: like there's what, permission yeah there's there's like a permission it's her life and everything and i, and I think that makes it really powerful no i, I think she's amazing actually
2: I've run out of questions, really. Well, I mean, I, there's, there's many more things, I suppose, but uh, they're the ones I'm prepared for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's a fantastic diversion about women photographers. I'm going to go and research them, and it'll probably lead to uh, far more book buying than I can really afford.
1: Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: That's
1: good.
2: It's better than Not buying much. yet more camera lenses, which is what we are. Yeah, to well, that's yeah, yeah. Simon, Simon just buys camera lenses and cameras. Mm-hmm. You,
0: yeah, uh, I mean, I I, I, I have been. Yeah, I've I
2: been a little. Sorry,
0: <laughs> I, I've been quiet almost the whole of the show, and I can't speak. uh. But, uh, uh I've uh, I've been very quiet this week, uh, largely because I'm I'm I think myself about something that uh, Shane Belkovich. Uh, said of me, and uh, he once when he goes, well, you're just a gearhead, Simon, and uh, and I've I've, oh. I've slightly felt like a gearhead this week. I've got I've got got to say, but that's not to say that I've not enjoyed uh, listening to you, Deborah, because I absolutely have, and it's it's a case of when I've got two co-hosts that are far better. At um, asking the right questions to to a guest such as yourself, it's it's just a pleasure to be able to sit back and and listen to the three of you, and no, it's you. it's been it's been my pleasure. And uh, and actually, just on the subject of uh, a previous guest, uh, um, which I think that we we, we should mention. Um, and if you've not seen her work uh, or seen the podcast that we or listened to the podcast we did with her, and that's Kate Miller Wilson, um, who. Um, <sighs> And if you check her out on Instagram, I think you'll love uh, that's Kate, yeah, Kate Miller-Wilson. Mm-hmm. She is knocking it out of the park. That way. That way.
2: <laughs>
1: lovely. Brilliant. I always love recommendations.
2: And go back and listen to the podcast as well, because she was a lovely guest.
1: Okay, I will do.
2: Yeah. Another lovely guest. <laughs>
0: Another, yes. We've had so, so many. And uh, so I, th- I think that's a, that's a good time to... Um, start to wind things down a little bit um and uh and let's do a, a little bit of housekeeping and uh, first of all i since we were last on two weeks ago uh, we have received a donation um oh. which uh yes so i wish to thank uh, larry i think it's hoon uh, that's uh h u h n um so i'm going to go with hoon and uh, We live for sounds, <laughs> pronunciations of names for the record. Yes, he, yes. Uh, and, um, and, he, and he says, um, thanks for the great shows. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Larry. And, um, and on that subject of uh, donations, I just want, we have now uh, finally gone out and bought uh, a, a sound recorder Actually, talking through it at the moment because it's got a, a nice speak, uh, microphone on it. Um, so we we have now bought a uh, a voice recorder, uh, which is going to allow at least two of the two of the hosts of the podcast to go around Britain and uh, and meeting people in their studios and their workplaces and things like that. Uh, I mean, we've been threatening to do several, uh, such as Dave Shrimpton, uh, Peter Defty. Yeah, you know, there was a. I don't know if he still wants us, but he, he left us an invitation before COVID, so uh, that that could be a, a trip up to Bradford Way, certainly South Yorkshire. I
2: think yeah, yep, kind of area. area. That's
0: right. Um, and
2: lifeboat, uh, we, lifeboat stations. Lifeboat Honestly, stations. I want
3: to go, I'd want to go to Deborah's farm. I wanna the the What's scenes out of your back area <laughs> and the Jack Deborah parking. The...
2: We could come and I could park my caravan. You sound like you've got loads of space for my caravan to come park my caravan in your back drive.
1: You can do. It's not a farm. I should add that, though. <laughs> I've probably made it sound a bit more uh, than it is. No, it, it's the it, garden.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> a park in the garden.
1: Yes, you're welcome. You'd be more than welcome. So
2: we've got That's ten. Good. We've got ten nights. Ten nights in Northumberland in July. So we're.
1: Oh we're, really? Whereabouts?
2: Sorry, Simon. I've diverted Deborah. Um, on the right. near Dunstanborough Castle.
1: Oh, beautiful.
2: And I'm hoping to bump into our dear friend who was very much early on in the show, Graham Vasey. If you don't know Graham's work, Graham, mm-hmm. uh, but he's he's Castle Barnard Castle sort of area, and um, well, that's not far me. Mm, yeah, um, and he's a fantastic. He's a brewer, brewer, when in good times, he's a brewer, mm-hmm. and he yeah. makes work. He makes work for a local gallery. Um, he, he does some. He's making a super eight. Folk horror movie at the moment, or he's trying to in between COVID. So you're going gonna... for the. Yeah. So look up Graham Vasey. When you go on Twitter, find him. He's Greyhead or something. His name is Graham Vasey, V A S E Y. He'll be my shout out for the week.
1: All oh, right. Well, is, some of my photos are on the Northumberland coast. A lot of them are actually. I
2: might come to you for some tips. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Just to get away from the village. <laughs> Well, so, we're going on the road, uh, Simon. Anyway, that's the plan.
0: Yeah, we are, we are, and we also, we've also, uh, we've also invited ourselves down to see Guy Bellingham as well, haven't we? Yep, we so, did. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. whether he wants us or not, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna head down that way. Um, so yeah, so and that has been made possible by the, those people that have donated to the show over the over the past two years, because that's pretty much how long we've been going. Because, well, fifty shows, yeah, yeah, it is about two. Yeah, we actually we're over two years old now, aren't we? I've no idea. I don't know. Whatever. It's 50 shows. I mean, yes, they're well done to us. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, let's um let's do shout outs. Now Andrew's already done his unless he's got any more. No.
2: Not, not offhand.
0: Right. We'll let, head over to California and Eric. Uh, have you got any shout outs Eric? Yeah, well,
3: I would definitely say uh shout out to my my good friend Vince Donovan uh for letting me once again wedge my way into his photo studio slash darkroom yesterday to test the the latest lens build. It's always uh, fun uh, to get into his studio and hang out with Vince even underneath. It's more fun without face masks and the ability to drink whiskey or beer while doing so which we're unable to do this time but I look forward to doing it soon. Um, but I don't own an 8x10 camera so building a lens for an 8x10 camera and being unable to test it is a bit of a conundrum. So thank you Vince for letting me test my wonky lens on your wonderful camera uh, and of course to Heather for putting up with my shenanigans that would be my fiancé, my long suffering fiancé
0: Well I'm, I'll, I'm going to do a quick shout out to Eric Matty's uh, Instagram feed um, carrying on from what uh, you've just just been talking about there Eric because there is a video on there um, in, in between bunny videos um, <laughs> of, uh, of you developing um, or your friend developing um, and it, I thought it was a, it was a wet plate photograph, but it turns out it wasn't a wet plate photograph. It's now this could be a whole podcast in itself, so it could be. We okay. could have Vince. On. Let's have the short answer. Yeah, that's RC paper. That's just Ilford
3: RC standard Ilford RC paper. Uh, that Vince reverse does it to reverse positive. He's done it for. um he does it with X-ray film. I think he's managed to do it with dry plates. Uh, all sorts of black and white film. He's figured out how to reverse process everything. He's done it for Sheila E for her birthday. Like he's, he used to run Vince used to run um, the only and the first and the only wet plate photography portrait studio in San Francisco called picture booth. And he got it down to a science, like 30 minute wet plate portrait sessions, you know? So he's like the master at that sort of stuff. Well, before it became sort of, uh, you know, a bit, a bit more like it, it was like 10-ish years ago, Deborah, so like before wet plate was really like much more popular than it.
1: Yeah. you know
3: it 's much more popular now, so Vince has all sorts of mad science and studio portrait stuff just like down it 's like sitting at the feet of a master and he just like dabbles and you're like, oh, what what did you just do? so yeah, I would people are crying out for his recipe, um, and i 'm harassing him a
0: little bit to try to get it because it mm-hmm. is really cool. <laughs> Oh, that, that's great. So uh is my shout out. So uh Deborah, have you got any shout outs for us? Gosh, no. <laughs> it's the hardest question of the lot. It always is. Yeah, we can talk about Freud and stuff, but coming up
2: with the shout out—that's harder.
1: <laughs> no, I, I have a friend. What about
2: someone you someone you referenced recently in a tweet? Was Rose Teenby?
1: Oh yeah, she's lovely and she's so fascinating. She's doing phd on women um early women photographers
2: yeah
1: and cool. uh, yeah she's i think she's discovering quite a lot actually um, we
2: uh, we did meet her briefly simon do you remember Oh, was that it's um the photography show yeah she was on the stand with rachel yeah. brewster yeah, right yeah. doing yes, that's right yeah rachel brewster right if you don't know rachel you need to look her up as well uh, little vintage <laughs> photography so she was she at the photography stand at the last photography show you could go to, you know, a couple of year, two years ago. Yeah. Rachel and Rose had a cyanotype workshop stand as part of the sort of analog showcase side of things at, this, at the show. And they were, they had a copy of the, of that uh, book of early, na- of early plant picture cyanotypes. Uh, and then she, she was talking about the history of it. And Rachel was doing the demonstrations.
1: She's so knowledgeable, yeah. yeah. I'm really passionate about what she's doing as well, which
2: I always like. Go. That's your yeah. shout-out, Rose Teenby. I'll put a link to her work yeah. in the show. <laughs> well, yeah. well done, Debra. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Not that I've been stalking you on Twitter or anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so, so Deborah, out, outside of this podcast, um, where can people see the wonderful things that you do, whether that be in physical places or online?
1: Um, I have a website, uh, debraparkin and um, I do post on Twitter. I'm not great with Instagram. I'm I am trying to be better with uh, Instagram, and physically at the moment, nowhere. <laughs> oh, so, well, actually, Fox Talbot has got things nowhere. You went to their archives, um, um, but I haven't exhibited for ages. Um,
2: you had a show three. with some others at the Fox Talbot Museum in 2013 arrangements in black and white I did arrangements in black and grey in the yeah. 21st century
1: yeah that was a, that was an amazing um, experience actually I, I don't always like exhibiting um, but that was just so professional and just wonderful a really wonderful experience and, and opportunity um, so they've got some of my work there Um, Is that in,
2: is that Oxfordshire? Is that where that is? uh, Wiltshire. Wiltshire. Is that near Laycock Abbey? Is that the same place?
1: Yes, exactly the same place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed that. So, um, but I did a a big batch of exhibitions. Um, I actually like being in um, exhibitions with others, like the Fox Tower, but I I Mm. really enjoy that aspect rather than doing solo exhibitions and things. Yeah.
0: Um, just on the subject of uh, Debra, Debra um I think you might be better off with debraparking.co.uk. debraparking.com doesn't work very well. From, um, yeah, oh, it so is .co.uk.
1: Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good bit of self-promotion there, Deborah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've got some books for sale as well. I think some of them are sold out, but there's one or two on there. they're uh...
1: Oh, they—they're they're not for sale anymore. They are all gone. Are they um, all gone? Oh, okay. Yeah, they are all gone. Yeah, the um, publisher—I mean, yeah, that—that's finished. I've been promising to make my own books and do all that kind of thing, but I just haven't got around to doing anything like that. I've been on bookbinding courses and everything over the years. Yeah. And one day I hope to um, get my act together.
0: We look forward to it. Well, yeah. um, okay, so. Uh,
2: Andrew, outside of the mm. show, where can people keep up with you? Twitter mainly. That's my most um active vice, I would say. So I'm at Warboys Snapper most days um on Twitter. And then also in the Facebook group, the large format photography. The large format photography? Anyway, large format photography, Facebook <laughs> podcast, Facebook <laughs> group. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's <laughs> got that in it or not. I know that I know the email address hasn't got other in it, but I can't now remember whether the Facebook oh, sure. group. Has. Well, well, what is our email address? Go on, go, go, go for it. Large format photography podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Well done, well, well there done. You um, and you also do another podcast as well. Don't I do. You? Yeah. Well, we haven't done one in a while. We we took a break just before Easter, the Lensless podcast, and we've got about six guests lined up, but the guests are so rubbish at getting their act together. Um, that we actually haven't managed to do it. We were... uh, My co-host said, oh, we can do one this Sunday. I said, no, we can't because Sundays are now... Every other Sunday is turned into the large format show, photography podcast. So um, the Lensless podcast will be back in due course. But uh, yeah, we're up to 105 shows or something. I don't know. with that... All about pinhole photography, Deborah. Do you do any pinhole photography? Because today is... Today is Sunday. If you're listening on... Well, you won't be listening on Sunday because we won't be putting it out today. Today is World... Pinhole Photography Day.
3: Yeah, it's always to... the
2: last Sunday in April. Yeah, and we celebrate all things pinhole, Deborah.
1: Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I have tried <laughs> it, and I do have a pinhole camera, yeah. but no, I don't. Um, a Pinhole
2: camera on your large format camera. Wonderful results. Yeah, it's fun.
1: Yeah. I'll, uh... So yeah,
2: you can find me in the. You can find me um, <laughs> lurking around that Facebook group as well. <laughs> right you you're you're not going to persuade deborah to go down that route the no you don't sound very keen you know, i just thought a creative <laughs> lady like you you know all that lovely creative work pinhole is so you know you're you're capturing big chunks of time think of all the thing projects you can work with with pinhole oh, visually,
1: yeah. visually i think that, that you get something really beautiful and i love the work of mark tweedy um, Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. it, yeah um, and uh yeah but it's um I'm quite rubbish with photography in, in a lot of ways, actually. So um, I'll, I'll stick to, I want instant gratification.
2: <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Fair. Eric,
0: so how can people keep up with you and the things that you're up to? Uh,
3: pretty much just Instagram, honestly. I don't really keep my website up website updated uh so it's eric e-r-i-k h-m-a-t-h-y is my instagram handle and i'm occasionally popping into the large format photography podcast group on facebook uh, but mostly for images and whatnot just instagram the grams as the
0: kids say cool cool and uh uh myself i'm on twitter is simon four i'm on instagram as simon forster photographic which is also the name of my website uh, if you stick co.uk on there that's, that's simonforsterphotographic.co.uk um where you can buy lots of lens caps um, and more lens caps and more lens caps i'm, I'm making for lots of different cameras and i've I've finally, finally uh, produced a lens board, a 3D-printed lens board that I'm happy with, um, which I will start to start selling things, whether that be for MPP presses or speed graphics or Signars, Toyo Toyos. views. To- to- oh, I said Toyo, didn't I? Toyo. Toyo
2: is the correct we're not way of going saying back, that. We're MP. not going back to that argument over definition. <laughs> no. We know it's Toyo. It's definitely Toyo that's that's that was that was how
0: it was yeah very very specific toil yeah yeah. um and um so yeah so i don't know that's that's pretty pretty much me and i think that's the podcast um deborah it's been brilliant having you with us thank you for being with us deborah Oh, thanks ever so
1: much for having me uh, i was a little bit nervous but you're very welcome thank
0: you no you've been great you've been absolutely great so on that note, um, I hope you've enjoyed it, and goodbye. Yeah, thank Bye. you so much.
1: Goodbye. Take care. Bye. <laughs>
0: that was poor. That was poor. Now, go on, Andrew, you say goodbye, and <laughs> then have a baby, <laughs> and then Eric can say goodbye, and then Der- 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 <laughs> Derek... Derek can say goodbye.
2: So, <laughs> so, Derek Parkin. <laughs> so, Andrew, goodbye. Goodbye, Simon. Goodbye, listeners. Eric. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Deborah, for coming on. It
3: was an absolute pleasure. And goodbye, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> it. Don't take this one. Keep it. No, that's it.
2: Right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>